Tony, do you want to do do intro intro or? (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Inscripted Podcast. Today we are joined by a super, super special guest who goes by the name Rabia. So Rabia is a product marketing manager at Instagram and she's currently working towards bridging the gap between people and products. Currently, she leads the efforts on Instagram's camera and reels products. She's also a Twitter alum and graduated from UC Berkeley. Without further ado, Rabia, welcome to the show. How's your day going? Hi, thank you for having me. So Rabia, before we delve into the meat and potatoes of this episode, we always just like to do like a little bit of icebreaker questions just to make sure everyone's like comfortable and like ready to talk and all. So I will start off with some quick fire questions. I think Tony has some questions as well, and then we'll go from there. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Apple or Android? Apple. <laughs> Going to movies or Netflix? Netflix. HBO or Hulu? HBO. Snap or Instagram? I think I know which one this is. I mean, I work at Instagram, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mac or Windows? Mac. Mac, okay. You know what's funny is when you asked IG or mm-hmm. Snap, my brother works at Snap and I work uh, at IG. Wow. So we have like Look a funny you rivalry. Yeah, family. yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, uh, but that was funny. Um, what's your current wallpaper? That's like, if you don't mind sharing, then what's like the story behind it? Uh, like on my phone mm-hmm. or on my computer or what? Um, on my phone, it's a dog oh, okay. because I love dogs. But it's actually a dog that I found off of Google because I wanted my phone, my background to match my case uh, and this had like a blue sky. Interesting. So everyone's always like, oh, is that your dog? And then I like, have to explain it and I found that <laughs> because who does that? So. No, but it's, it's actually interesting Like you found like a picture that matched like the color of your case. That's 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 dedication right there. I know. I, I I wanted it to be color coordinated, and I yeah. haven't changed my case in like three years, so it's been uh, the same. Yeah, that was the next question I, I was gonna ask. Like, do you have like let's say five <laughs> cases, like all different pastel colors, and no. then you switch them every day? Like, the you week? can see like how messed up the case is. Like, it's time <laughs> to get a new case yeah. for sure. But then you would have to change the wallpaper, you know? Exactly. I mean, so yeah. I'm just gonna leave it <laughs> until it yeah. falls apart. It's gonna yeah. be there. Fair. Yeah, Rabia, like, welcome to the show. We'd love to hear a bit about yourself, your background, your cradle to now, as we describe it. And basically, you know, you can touch on anything from your early days to your high school, your college career, um, yeah. sort of the internships you did or the classes you took, uh, research you may have done, just, you know, and, you know, even My fun stuff out of, out of school. <laughs> exactly, your life story. You want to know who Rabia is and what makes you tick, basically. So the floor um, is yours. Okay, cut me off whenever you want, ask any questions. Um, But like you said, I'm Rabia. I work at Instagram. I was born and raised in the Bay in California. Shout out the Bay. I went to UC Berkeley. Shout out Bears. Um, And I recently moved to New York. So I'm making the West Coast, East Coast transition. Um, my family is originally from Tanzania, East Africa, and a couple of generations before that, they immigrated from India to Tanzania. Um, and so when my dad first came here, he wanted to make a lot of money to support my family. So he got into engineering. And so tech has kind of been in my family for a very long time. Um, 
but I always thought that tech was being an engineer. So I never really thought I could do it because I knew I didn't want to code. So growing up, like I would write a lot, I would read a lot of books. Um, and then I went to school at UC Berkeley for media studies because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, which I definitely do not ever want to be. <laughs> no shade to the lawyers out there, but I think like when you grow up in especially like a cultured family <clears throat> with Indian and African, like you, I was told like engineer, doctor, lawyer. It's so, like, yeah. that's really all I knew that I could be. Yeah. I didn't know product marketing existed. I didn't know like partner marketing or there's so many different like orgs and teams and tech that I just wasn't exposed to. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until I went to school and I was at UC Berkeley that I started to like understand how big these companies are and how many teams and different roles there are so I really just kind of had to like teach myself that and learn it from seeing other people have these internships um and so I was in school planning to be a lawyer like I was minoring in rhetoric doing the whole situation and I didn't get into the business school of Haas but I still had access to the classes there so I took this one class like course it was like business marketing or something. And they had a speaker series come in. Mm-hmm. And one of the people was like a product marketer from Airbnb. Yeah. And that was the first time I like ever knew anything about product marketing. And then I like went on Google was like typing like, what's a product <laughs> like doing all this like basic yeah. research, research, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's when I realized like it was the role that sat the closest to product where you weren't coding, but it had a lot of strategy, a lot of writing, a lot of speaking to the product but you're really connecting people and Mm -hmm. that kind of sat at like the intersection of what I wanted to do Mm. and so for the first time I was like maybe there is something in tech that I can do um Mm. so I started kind of like interviewing and looking at different internship programs but UC Berkeley is known for their EECS program for their like engineering program and Mm -hmm. so all of the tech companies that go there they're essentially recruiting for engineers. So I would go to all of the right. like events. I would go to get free dinner, honestly. Because <laughs> yeah. they were always like serving pizza. And so I would go, but they weren't interested in like, there was no roles for mm-hmm. like product marketing or marketing in general. Okay. Like, and Berkeley is a very technical school. So I started getting like very frustrated over it. So I went home one day and I wrote like I went back to doing what I knew best, which was writing. So I wrote a blog about how frustrated I was and I ac- actually ended up posting it on LinkedIn and then it went viral. And then a recruiter reached out to me from Twitter and then that's how I got my Twitter internship. And that's oh. kind of like how I started my like tech journey and like started meeting all these people. Um, so I feel like it was kind of a blessing I don't think that's normally what happens um but I think I just kind of got lucky in that I was like I went back to doing what I knew best and I kind of felt like I was almost pretending to be someone I wasn't like I started taking a CS class and like I was honestly just wasn't me and I know I wanted to be in tech but that just wasn't the route that I wanted to go right so I just kind of had to figure out a different way um but I didn't know that writing how much of a miserable time I was having was going to end up doing anything for me. (laughs) So that's kind of like a, a quick snippet of how I ended up starting in tech. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's honestly an interesting story. I, I didn't expect the LinkedIn part at all. That's like 
yeah me either me either <laughs> and then yeah. i kept doing it like i kept i wrote like six or seven blogs and they all started like really? picking up yeah, yeah like every single i mean i don't do it anymore because then i started getting into the tech companies mm-hmm. and then it's like a yeah. can't really you know so <laughs> i i kept writing and um i actually started like the student linkedin for like student voices program with linkedin instead of working with the people that work there okay um and then i think i wrote like maybe like 12 blogs throughout the last two years of university Mm -hmm. and then i just kind of like it just kind of dwindled like i still write but it's like all in my notes app i don't Uh really like publish any of it anymore i see i should (laughs) you should you you know but um are the original sort of post at least the very first one is that still like up is that you know or is do you have Okay. They're also on my LinkedIn. Um, wow. They're also the original ones. Mm. People still kind of go on them here from like now and then. Like I'll check them, but they're all still up there. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll, I guess there's, yeah, there, there is a description box. So we'll look for some of those and like link them in said description box to this episode. Yeah, but, that'd be awesome. Um, But yeah, really quickly, I, I want us to touch on like your internship experience and then how that has like mm-hmm. led you from like interning and then moving into the professional um, world, yeah, 100%. So you said you started at Twitter, right? Yeah. Yes. What I started was that at like? Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as a college student, you know, you're like broke. <laughs> tech companies, <laughs> yeah. they treat you real nice. They, they treat, treat you really they nice. You know? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just like taking it all in. I loved it. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and for me, I really didn't think that I was going to get a job at like a Twitter or a Facebook or an Instagram. Cause I really thought you had to be an engineer to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I also didn't even know how important your third year internship was. Like that could be like your returning offer. Like it's something that I learned when I got to Berkeley. Mm. Um, and also my road to Berkeley is a little untraditional as well. So I transferred into Berkeley my second year and I, I used to actually never talk about it. So I went to a community college for two years mm-hmm. and then transferred into Berkeley. So I didn't have like the Berkeley counselors like coaching me to be like, you need an internship your right. third year. You'll get like a returning offer. Like it's very important to start recruiting early on. Mm-hmm. Right. So I learned all that kind of just like through observation and like asking my brother questions because he mm-hmm. had gone through it as well. And he was the first one in our family to go through all that. So it was it was amazing to get an internship at Twitter and I was, you're just treated very well. You know, you're given food, there's all the perks, like it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also easy as a student to get very caught up in that. And I think what's important to remember when you're a student and you're interning is like these people are going to become your network. Not only the people that you're interning for like the people you're interning with in your class those are going to be people that are like rising in the ranks at companies with you that like when you're a pmm senior pmm they might be like a senior pm at like a different company Mm -hmm. and if you want a job at that company so i learned when i started at twitter that like every relationship every every combo that i was having with people there was was very important so like Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd go early, I'd get my breakfast, I'd stay late for dinner, like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd stay for all the perks, but yeah. I was constantly remembering myself that my time there is finite because mm. 
the way that they define roles in tech is technical and non-technical, which mm-hmm. I disagree with a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of opinions on that. Mm-hmm. But when you're in marketing, you're considered non-technical. Mm-hmm. And right. so you're not guaranteed a returning offer. And so for me, oh. I knew my time there was finite. Like, I could easily not come back. So I felt like I had to like bust my ass even more to like make the connections, be remembered, so I could make sure to keep reaching out to them. Right. And so I think... It was awesome to answer the question to work at Twitter. It was great. I was exposed to so many things. I learned so much more than I ever did in school, honestly, mm-hmm. like on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had to constantly remember to like humble myself because I think it was very easy to get caught up. And I did get caught up at many times. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I think it's part of the experience, you know. Um, yeah. Because at some point, you know, you definitely want to absorb and you know um what's yeah, the, what's the right sure. way you know you, you want to experience embrace everything it. exactly yeah. embrace it you know but i think like you're saying the 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 people aspect is one of mm-hmm. the most important aspects of you know these sorts of experiences right and yeah investing in those relationships is super important um yeah you know, totally yeah yeah so i want to touch on i guess the subject of like being in a technical organization but not necessarily being as like one of the software engineers because i guess a lot of people have that perception that mm-hmm. oh if you want to work at like one of these like huge tech yeah. companies you need to be like a software engineer so like what percentage of the roles would you say are software engineering and then what percentage like helps actually is important for the company you know doing day-to-day stuff yeah yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong, like engineering and actually building the product mm-hmm. is like huge part. Like that is one of the most, if not the most important part of like having a company, a mm-hmm. tech company. But I think a common misconception and one that I had too was like, it's the only part of right. the company, right? All and right. there is legal, comms, marketing, sales, like there's so much more that goes into a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. that is a tech company. Definitely. And like you can build a product, but you need to sell it. You need mm-hmm. to speak to your consumers, your mm-hmm. creators. You need to monetize off of it. And engineering is really just building it. And that's right, a huge right. aspect of it because you need something to sell. You need something to like give to people. But I think... And I think it's gotten better in recent years. Like I think more people are know, like know what product marketing is mm-hmm. or know like comms is something different or partner marketing, social media marketing. Like I think more of it is coming to light. Mm-hmm. But I think for a while it was like tech, data, the cloud, yeah. engineers. Like, and that's all it was. And that's what right. I thought it was too. Like even, you know, even though my dad was in tech, like he – was like just an engineer and he didn't even talk to me about like, Oh, you know, like you can do X, Y, like, I don't know. You could be a lawyer at a tech company. Like Mm -hmm. you can do that. Mm -hmm. So I think being an engineer is a huge part for sure. It's probably, it takes up most percentage of the people working at a tech company, but there's so much more to it. And I definitely want people and hope that more students and just like people that are looking at working in tech know that, they don't have to be an engineer to like belong at one of the companies, right, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback off of that, what would be mm-hmm. like the best avenues for getting like some of those roles? Cause I guess a lot of the stuff that people see are like um, engineering internships, but not yeah. necessarily some for the other roles. So how, how would people 
find yeah. said roles yeah for internships i mean honestly the way i found it and this was also like seven years ago probably <laughs> True. i was like i found out what a pmm was through like a school course and mm. then i started googling like product marketing and then i through those googles i found out with what an APMM program was, which is like an associate product marketing manager. And they mm -hmm. have like APM programs, which is for product managers. And so I think the best way, if you're still a student, is to like get in through one of those like university recruiting programs right. because they honestly teach you everything that you need to know. If you're like pivoting your career and like you're a bit older, or like you've already been like a couple years in, I would. I would honestly try to find somebody at the company that you want to work with in the, at the it's like in the role that you want to work at. Mm -hmm. So like say there's a, a mid-level or a senior level PMM at like Snapchat that you want to work and you want to be that role. Like I would just ask that person everything. So what I did, I literally cold emailed like so many PMMs when I was doing those like Google searches. Mm -hmm. I probably messaged like 40 and like two responded, but I went and like talked to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and I think I just learned more actually talking to the people that were doing it because there's no course that like teaches you, this yeah. is what partner marketing, this is what product marketing, this is what social media marketing is, you know? Mm. So I think my, the best advice would be to like talk to the people that are at the companies or like try to take a marketing course or I think there are more courses now in school that mm -hmm. are offered that actually speak to more of these. Like, I don't think those really existed before. I think right. like more tech recruiting or like university recruiting is coming out and like talking about all the other roles that are open. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when I was going through it, like it was just not really talked about as much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. On that. Yeah. yeah. Taking a more detailed look at your day to day right now what what does mm -hmm. your day look like typically for you um product marketing managers are very cross-functional mm -hmm. so the main person that we deal with is the product manager so the product manager works closely with engineering design and research to build the product yeah and the product marketer and so the pmm and the pm are basically like besties, besties. <laughs> like yeah. you and your product manager you are like two peas in a pod and so they have their design engineering research team i have basically everybody else mm -hmm. so gotcha. i work with the legal team the privacy team the comms team partner marketing we call it the business function and so all of the business folks that sit under like that org mm -hmm. i work with them to kind of put together what a go-to-market plan would be for upcoming features that okay. my PM is building with the engineering team. Right. Um, and that's just one aspect, which is called like outbound. There's also a whole other aspect called inbound that's research oriented, like age mm. planning. So planning for like the different halves of the year and mm -hmm. you work with the product team with that, you work with the eng team with that, um, you work with like market research on helping like influence the product roadmaps or like naming for certain features so there's a lot that goes into being a pmm but the day-to-day -day is a lot of meetings with those cross-functional people mm -hmm. a lot of weeklies if you have like a launch that's coming up for a feature um team meetings weeklies with your pms i think i'm up to like six pms right now oh, there's only wow. one of me so there's a lot 
Um, but there's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of communicating and like face to face. And then there's a lot of like writing docs mm. and write and making decks. Gotcha. So across your time at um, Instagram now and uh, even Twitter before, um, I'm, I'm sure you've been a, a part of multiple like feature launches or product launches. Is that, you know, is that a, a fair assumption? Yeah, I mean, I joined maybe two years ago and across like camera and reels, there's just been a lot that mm. has launched. It's like hit the ground running when I came. So, which yeah. was good because I only really had Twitter before that to compare it to. And so mm. it was good to be able to like take learnings from one and like started a new company and mm. grow in a different way. So it's been a very um, long but good journey at Instagram. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. And in terms of like uh, product launches, you know, a lot of times when we we speak to guests, we ask like, hey, you know, is there some sort of uh, launch that you were in charge of or you were participating heavily in mm-hmm. and, you know, something went horribly wrong, things didn't go according <laughs> to plan, you know, there was just like fires everywhere that you had to put out. Have you had that experience? And if so, like, how did you manage it? How did you um, deal with it? So, I mean, I think that there's fires with every single launch. It's just how good of a PMM you are is if nobody knows about it on mm-hmm. the outside. And so, I mean, I'm trying to say as much as I can without getting in trouble with comms. So, like, they, I think, I think for me, it's always, there's so many moving parts as a PMM because you're working with so many teams. So it's mm-hmm. very easy to, like, slip up on like oh did this person review this in time or like did this go through localization for like the country for it to be in the proper languages for certain countries Mm -hmm. or there's like so many little things and so I think it's very easy to slip up but that's why it's so important to have like good attention to detail when you're a PMM so something I do to help that because there I've been in many fires (laughs) <laughs> is like I have a run of show doc like there's a whole excel sheet of like everything that needs to be done status the person that owns it like you just I've just had to learn to be way more organized and like mm. way more this needs to be done on this right. day this is the status like and I mean it's helped also in like my it bleeds into my personal life so like I don't mm. think it's that bad to like have mm. to force yourself to be that way um right. but again like I said I think the most successful part is to, to everybody on the outside, like the average consumer, it's a seamless launch to them. It's a new feature. They're excited to use it. They see mm-hmm. all the comms about it. They don't need to know everything that went on yeah. behind the scenes. Behind the curtains, yeah. It was a lot that went on behind <laughs> the scenes. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. Um, what would you say has been like your most like fulfilling feature launch? Or like, is there any feature like you've used like in yeah. a product and you've been like, oh, wow. Yeah, like I'm really proud. Like we got this to, to market. Honestly, for me, there's two that stick out. One mm-hmm. at Instagram, one at Twitter. Um, for me, like it's cool to launch features for Reels and camera and Twitter. But I think when I feel the most passion is when I'm like directly talking to a community that's close to my heart mm-hmm. or I see it directly impacting folks. And so for Twitter, it was when I launched Twitter Lite, which was essentially like a lighter version of the Twitter app. Mm. So it was for folks who were on like 2G um, or like didn't have LTE, right. didn't have extremely um, like high-end devices. So it was it was an a way to connect them to Twitter mm-hmm. and to the internet without it eating their data or like having them pay all these 
all this money for minutes. Right, right. Um, so Twitter Lite was was like my baby. It was like something I loved doing at Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then at Instagram, I led our first um, wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a product launch. It was more a campaign, but it had a lot mm-hmm. of product initiatives across it. I led it for the first um, the first time IG supported Juneteenth in 2019. Okay. okay. So we had like a bunch of um, effects made by black creators. We did a bunch of <clears throat> stickers that were created by black artists and like uh, credited them, put it out, promoted it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like a whole reels program, a lot of educational programming, like across our guides, across stories, feeds. So we kind of touched across every product surface, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's cultural moments and communities like that when I'm the PMM on it, where I feel most fulfilled. But right. those are just like, there's so many. And there's also teams that are dedicated to doing that. But both mm-hmm. Instagram and Twitter are so small. You have to be really scrappy at those companies. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that I'm passionate about that sometimes there isn't a dedicated team to do it. And so it's an opportunity to step up and to right. like be the leader in that space. And there was nobody doing anything at the time for those. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I think there's like a huge initiative for like, global work at Twitter and for cultural moments at Instagram. So I think those are probably the ones that stood out to me the most. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> what would you say is one thing that you really love about um your role currently? Um one thing I love about PMM, I think it's kind of what I touched on earlier. It sits at the intersection of like people and product. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to like fully be in the product world. Like I right. didn't just yeah. want to code and like, no offense, just like be at a computer. <laughs> I wanted, <laughs> sorry. Um, I wanted to, like, I wanted to be closer to the people, yeah. talk to them, mm-hmm. sit in research meetings, like understand what they like, what they want to see, what they want mm-hmm. us to build, and then take that to the product team and like build a case and work with them and then bring that to life mm-hmm. to like, what the average consumer sees on the app. And so I think the part that I love the most about being, being a PMM is influencing products based on like what I know about the people using our apps, the right. research sitting in and like talking to the people and then putting together like the go to market of how it's going to come to life visually outside and like how people are going to see it. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's very easy to get caught up inside the company of like, yeah. this is the feature, like, you know, and be super technical, but it has to be translated in a way where just like a regular person is going to know and like be excited and use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I like being that kind of bridge and that like trans translator. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think even, even outside of, um, you know, I'm just thinking about even the engineers, I'm sure it'd be beneficial if they were able to like sit on, sit in on some of the, yeah. uh, you know, product meetings and like the research meetings so that they, they sort of have a better yeah, understanding totally. of, you know, the people that they're building for and things like that, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, for, at Instagram, I have seen a lot, a lot of that, like a lot of the engineers do like sign up for the research sessions and like mm-hmm. join in. Or even when I'm conducting research and it's just on the marketing side, like I always try to extend the invite to like mm-hmm. everyone on the cross-functional team, both like mm-hmm. on product and on marketing, mm-hmm. because it's only going to benefit the end result of what what's being built. And so I think it's it's great for anybody to join in on them that's working on it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I had a question about like the timeline. So what's the typical timeline for 
a product to go from inception mm-hmm. to the end user's hands and like what are yeah. some of the key stages slash steps along the way that we have to get yeah. through? I mean, I think it varies for each feature mm-hmm. and a lot of it is dependent on like the end scoping and resourcing. And so like however long okay. it's going to take for engineers to build and resource, that's one aspect. Mm-hmm. When it comes to me, <laughs> from that point, there's different tiers. So like if it's a tier one launch, which means... It's like a huge feature. We know everyone's going to be super excited about it. This is like a huge change in our UI. Mm -hmm. People need to be educated on it. So we know that there's going to have to be a lot more that needs to go out. I mean, that that just takes way longer, right? Like, is it global? Does it need to be localized? Is it a huge campaign? Is there going to be billboards? Is it just a tweet? So like, Mm -hmm. it could be months. It could be weeks. There are some times where like, it just has to be reactive. It's not that big of a deal. So Great. it could be anywhere from like a couple of days to a couple of months. It really just depends on like what the scope of the feature is and like how how abrupt or how exciting the change is going to be for the average consumer that's going to be using it. Gotcha. And for you, like it be after being part of multiple, you know, successful launches, what's one of the most surprising things you've found about like how, you know, tech companies in general sort of coordinate launches or or you know just how do they approach it how do they take it have you found anything surprising there basically no i mean the thing that's most honestly surprising to me is it's really not that different in between tech companies like give or take a couple things it's really the same like you have a pmm you have a pm there's an engineer that builds it you work together on what the go-to-market is. That's just like very simplified. Mm -hmm, But there's obviously, everyone has a different working method, how you work with your PM, how you work with your PMM, like those things change. But when it comes to my role, it's very relationship-based. And it's like very, you know, like you work with so many different teams. You really have to build the relationship. And that's what's remained stable throughout like Twitter, Instagram, even like little startups that I was at before in my internships. But the things that are different is just like people's working method and like Mm -hmm. adjusting to that and adapting to that and the resources that you have at the company, right? Like Twitter doesn't have a a Facebook, (laughs) like Instagram does. So there's obviously a difference in like scoping or budgeting or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I think speaking of relationships, and I I think that's one thing you've touched on, which I think is really important. I like to Mm -hmm. ask, um, I guess, always about, sort of mentors across your along your journey who've sort of contributed towards your growth and, you know, expose you to opportunities you didn't even know about. Were you lucky enough to have some of those as you, um, you know, have, have been in, in your career so far? You know, when I first started, I didn't. I didn't even know, like, what a mentor was. I would just text my brother and, like, hope he would respond <laughs> and be like, hey, <laughs> Uh, I have this coming up, like, do you, and, and I think I really lucked out and that he went through all of this before I did because mm-hmm. pe- sometimes people don't even have that. So like that was right. a privilege that I had, which was him. And it wasn't, I think, until I got to Berkeley that I started to understand like people have mentors and sponsors and mm-hmm. there's a difference between the two and mm-hmm. there's mentorship and then there's actually like putting you in the room or making an introduction or funding you or like really investing in you and your career. Mm -hmm. And 
now, yes, I have those people. And now I try to be that for other people because I didn't know I needed that. I didn't know how important it was because it's really who, you know, and that sucks because it should be based on merit. And like this person is an amazing engineer or an amazing PMM, but it's like, she went to UC Berkeley brand name. She knows X, Y, and Z she's in the door. So it's really who, you know, and I think that's why like I try to be that person now for anybody else so I can put them in the room so I can open a door because I was lucky enough to eventually find people that did do that for me. And I don't think I would have been at Twitter or Instagram or even Berkeley, honestly, without those things. So I think it's important to find mentors, ones that look like you and ones that don't look like you, because unfortunately, like, being brown, being black, like you don't see a lot of that. And so yeah, you do need yeah. to find people that both look like you and both don't because they both will open the doors. Right. But <clears throat> it's really, it's really who you know and like hustling to, to find those people. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I was going to ask something, but now I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you touched on like, having mentors who look like you and i just want to ask what what it has been like for you like from your perspective as a person of color in the um tech industry what are some of the stuff you had to deal with or some of the stuff that you're like not this shouldn't really be happening but unfortunately it does yeah and how have you been able to like overcome that Mm -hmm. i think i mean i also think things are different now in Mm -hmm. that there's an environment where it's more, I, I wouldn't say things have changed. Uh, I think we've, there's been small steps, right, but right. I think we're in more of an environment where women, brown or black can talk about things more and speak mm-hmm. up more. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I think it was very silenced. I just don't know how much action is being taken based on people speaking up. I think right, right. that the room is open to be, for us to speak, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't necessarily know that actions are being taken or, um, it's hard to know like what's for show and what's for not, you know, like if it's, and I think we saw a lot of that, like last summer, there was a lot of, we support the black community. We're doing this, we're doing that. But then you look at their board yeah, and everybody's white. It's it's not reflected. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think the space has opened for these things to be talked about. Mm-hmm. I think there's resource groups. I think there's programs that like focus on Latinos, focus on the black community, focus on the Asian community, LGBTQ. Like I think there's all these things that speak to it, mm-hmm. but unfortunately I just don't think there's as much action being taken that should be, or like a reflection on like, what do the people look like that you're actually investing money in? Or like, what does your board look like? Or this person came forward about this. What's the action plan? It's just this person came forward or we're donating this. So I think um, it's just, it's been a journey. Like you, I've learned from women that look like me that, that don't look like me. I think it's, it can be isolating sometimes. It can mm-hmm. be extremely rewarding at times. I think it's really who you surround yourself with and really mm-hmm. finding people that champion you. Mm-hmm. And I think at all the places I've worked, I've been blessed enough to find those people and like continue to bring them with me. And I still mm-hmm. turn to them for advice on like, hey, should I speak on this? Should I not? 
And I think it's, it's so important to have that sounding board because I don't know, I really don't know what I would do without some of like the group chats that I'm in, (laughs) honestly, because they really, they really help me. So Um, that's great. Just really quickly, how, I guess, how do you go about finding those people? Yeah. I I mean, it's hard, honestly. Like, yeah. it's not like there's like a, like a Google spreadsheet and you can like sign up. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think that's, that's what makes it hard. I think for me, I joined when I went to Twitter, there was Blackbirds. I joined that mm-hmm. and I felt comfort like being around other African people or finding other people that were women that I could relate to. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it was just, I had to put myself out there Mm -hmm. in certain ways that I was uncomfortable with at first. Like, I mean, I second guessed joining so many things at Twitter Mm -hmm. because I was like, do I actually belong there? Like, should I go there? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's finding like, and I think we're privileged in tech companies to have these like ERGs or resource groups because there's so many companies that don't have that. Right. I think it's like take advantage of the programs that speak to whatever community that you identify as because you will find at least one person or you know talk to cold email people. I don't know if, I don't know if people are still doing that because that's like I did that years ago. I don't know if that's still like the vibe with Gen Z or not, but mm-hmm. I that's what I did mm-hmm. and I found people through that. I I like talk to people like my friends that were my same age at Twitter, the interns that I was interning with that had similar frustrations. And some of them already had people that they were talking to and introduced me to. So it was really just word of mouth, which sucks. Like there should be a better way to like connect with like like like-minded women or men or people in your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't have the answer. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah. I think I really just lucked out in so many situations. But mm-hmm. it was finding people that I trusted and then being like, oh, shit, you have the same frustration that I do. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. that's how I, that's just kind of how I found out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like connected with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess I wasn't on the last episode, but I think someone said, if you cold email someone, like the worst they possibly do is say no. Like the other right, option is like they don't in. answer. Yeah. So Right. I already go in with the expectation that like they're not gonna they're respond. Not- <laughs> yeah, so I'm not gonna get a response. So like I also really don't know if people are still doing that because I <laughs> did that a really long time ago. Um but yeah, I mean I think also even me, I'm so scared of rejection. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. happens when someone doesn't respond, right? So it's like mm-hmm. You don't want to put yourself out there, but the worst thing is they don't respond. But the best thing is like you could, they could know someone that could know someone that could help you Mm -hmm. or that could open a door or that could become like a lifelong mentor, friend, sponsor. Mm -hmm. You never know if you don't take a chance. And that's something that I still am trying to tell myself every single day, like take a chance, Mm -hmm. take a risk. Don't be scared of rejection, but like it's yeah. way easier said than done. Yeah, way definitely. easier. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 Speaking of difficult things, um, great segue there. Mm-hmm. Um, give myself a pause. <laughs> <laughs> what has your greatest challenge been? Um, like ever? Like at work, school, what? 
I don't know. I I, I didn't think that far. <laughs> um, I guess ever ever might might be too broad. Let's let's do like at work. Yeah. I think my greatest challenge at work is like uh is is proving my worth mm. because I think it's still seen as tech companies being very technical. Right, and right. so I think one, when they see marketing, they're like, Oh, yeah. it's easy. Like mm-hmm. she's just going to like put a billboard up, mm-hmm. but it, there's so much more to that. And I feel mm-hmm. like I have to, that's why your relationship with your PM is so important. You have to really fight to get a seat at the table mm-hmm. and to like, be like, I have these insights from consumers or I know X, Y, and Z that will help. Mm-hmm. I think it's, Proving myself, one, that marketing is strategic, that we have a seat at the table. Two, mm-hmm. being a woman of color, being respected the same way as like a white man mm-hmm. that's on PMM or that's on PM or that's an engineer, you know? So I think the hardest part is is constantly showing up and show and like proving that I belong there. And once I have that seat at the table, then it's like just being consistent. And so that always happens at like when I joined IG, that was my fear. Like I would have to restart that. So I think that's probably that's probably what it is. So uh, I'm curious, like, how do we start to change the narrative, right? So if you know I'm yeah. a, a black man, you know, who's an engineer, for example, how do I create opportunities for others who are not necessarily engineers, but maybe P, uh, PMs or APMMs, um, yeah. to just sort of try to bridge the, or start, at least start to bridge the gap or create more opportunities? How, how how can I help, basically? Honestly, I was thinking about this the other day, and I just like went to the recruiting team and I was like, can we start an APMM program at IG? Mm. Like I'll lead it. And I think it's, if I have the power to open that door, like if Mm. I'm part of the program or like if I'm part of something, Mm -hmm. I know that I can like help so many other people. So I Mm -hmm. think it's, we fortunately and unfortunately have a responsibility, I think, to help everybody that's now starting out. And I think if it was done for us, like we should be, we should be giving back and doing it as well. And so I think we, I think it's creating the orgs or like building those doors so that they can be open. So, like I said, I think it's, it's a responsibility that we have, even if it's one person or even if it's a conversation or even if it's one intro, Mm -hmm. I think we could still do our part in some way. But I mean, ideally, like we could have like a whole ass like Google Sheet, sign up <laughs> sheet program, like come on through, like a whole thing. But yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not like that yet. Mm-hmm. Someday. Yeah, but it's not to say that the talent doesn't exist. Like, if there's not, it's not a problem. There are plenty of talented mm-hmm. black and brown people mm-hmm. that are engineers, PMMs, marketing. Some that don't even know yet that those things exist, but would right. be like. Amazing at killer at it you know mm-hmm. and so it's like it's not only getting them in the door it's like exposing all these like it's exposing people to what even exists like mm-hmm. i literally thought i had to be a lawyer imagine if i was a lawyer <laughs> now i would literally <laughs> hate it like hate it so i think you know i was blessed to find out that like i really didn't need to be a lawyer so awesome awesome um i want to ask a question more like prospective questions like where where do you see yourself or like where do you hope to be in like the next five years oh my god the next five years i i would like to be in a leadership position i don't know if it's going to be in pmm Mm. i don't even know if it's going to be in marketing honestly Mm -hmm. okay but 
And I also don't know if it's going to be in tech, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to be leading something mm-hmm. and have right. a lot more power over connecting people, right. whether that's in tech, whether that's accessibility, I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to grow as a marketer for sure. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. So there's one thing we ask all of our guests, like if there was one piece of advice they could give to their younger self, what would that be? Oh, damn. One piece. Yeah. I honestly say this a lot, but this was something that my recruiter at Twitter told me. Mm-hmm. Actually, Tony, you probably know this too, because I have it on all the t-shirts. <laughs> they say like, you belong in tech. Right. And so I would say that because right. I think when I first started in school, like I said, I didn't know mm-hmm. that there were all these different roles. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think that I could get a job at that place because right. Right. I didn't know you could be a lawyer and be at a tech company. Or I didn't know that I didn't know what even what PMM was. And right. so I think it's it's the first step is exposing students mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just people that are looking to work in tech that there's so much more than just being an engineer. Like right. anybody, any one person can belong at the tech company mm-hmm. in some way. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the misconception. And that's how you start changing the narrative. Right. It's, you don't have to have what you call a technical role. I also don't like that it's called that. Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. the divide between non-technical and technical, like I don't think that should necessarily exist. I think it should be called something else. Like yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's a difference in these teams and these orgs. But mm-hmm. I think that's that's how we start changing the narrative is that you all belong in tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. That's a unique piece of advice, honestly. Do you have any questions for us? Um, I mean, I wish you guys answered all those questions like I did. So just <laughs> kidding. Um, um, no, I don't, but I really enjoyed being on the podcast. I think what you guys are doing is awesome. And I love seeing all the people that you guys have as guests. Um, so I hope, I hope you guys continue to do it. I think it's really great. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. I appreciate the talk. Yeah. Thank you as well for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Like I'm sure everyone who listens to this is gonna be like, Oh wow. Like I I I definitely know there's some people who are gonna like change their career based on listening to <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Um yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't know I could do that. Okay, I think I'm no longer going to be a lawyer. I'm I'm going to switch to that. So, 100%. Yeah, I mean, if I could help one person not be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, no offense to lawyers out there. Like, we don't dislike yeah, lawyers. No it's offense. just, yeah. I mean, my, yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. We, yeah. we need you guys, so yeah. we need you Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, this has been fun. This has been, you know, I've been yeah, quiet most of the time. So this has been like absorbing a lot, but it's this has been interesting and, and very fun. All right. So thank you for taking the time to be here. And um, yeah, this has just been great. Like, I can't say much. Yeah, more of course. <laughs> of course. Thank you for asking me. It was a of pleasure. Course. You're welcome. And there you have it, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Unscripted Podcast. Our guest today has been Rabia Damji, a product marketing manager at Instagram. Be sure to check out the links to her viral stories on LinkedIn in our description below. And as always, continue to stay cool and stay unscripted.